0: And welcome to episode 250 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in
2: Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsor.
0: And we'd like to thank ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted pre-screened process servers. Work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high-volume serves, embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit ServeNow.com to learn more. And we want to mention that the second edition of our book,
2: The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, is available on Amazon. Everyone agrees that collaboration is essential in today's world, but knowing the right tools as well as the right strategy will make all the difference.
0: In our last episode, we discussed cool tools and gave you eight of our current favorite tools cool tools. In this episode, we have a special guest, and our topic is LinkedIn, and we want to jump right in. So, Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile
2: Report, we will indeed have a special guest, a friend of the podcast, uh, Allison Shields, to talk about a new book on LinkedIn for lawyers and other legal professionals. In our second segment, Allison and Dennis uh, will share some of their favorite LinkedIn tips and answer uh, a question or two from me. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first up, LinkedIn and how to make it work for you i had a lot of fun with linkedin during our linkedin connections challenge last year uh you can listen to the two podcasts we did in connection with that contest head back to the legal talk network site for that um so i was excited to see that allison shields and dennis have decided not only to update their linkedin content but to do it in a completely new book that they've self-published it's called make linkedin work for you and we are thrilled to have dennis's co-author allison shields on the show with us so Hello, Allison. Uh, Let's get started uh, by having you introduce yourself and telling us just a little bit about the book to get
1: started. Sure. Hi, Tom and Dennis. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited to be here. Uh, My background is as a lawyer, but I am now a consultant for lawyers and law firms, helping them with the back end of their practice, everything from productivity to marketing and social media, including LinkedIn. So Tom, as you mentioned, the book is called Make LinkedIn Work For You, a practical handbook for lawyers and other legal professionals. And I'm very excited that to finally have it in my hot little hands. It gives, I think, everything from beginners to advanced users, hopefully some tips about how they can actually use LinkedIn in a strategic way. Way And to really think intentionally about how they use LinkedIn. And it talks about how LinkedIn is a little bit different, I think, than some of the other social networks out there and goes through some strategies for how not just lawyers, but anybody who is within the legal profession um, can use LinkedIn better.
2: So, Dennis, I'll ask you this. Why this book now? You've had, this, you've had some LinkedIn books published by the American Bar Association um, over the past couple of years. Um, why this book on LinkedIn and why now? What made you all do it?
0: Well, I, I think a couple of things. And Allison alludes to some of it is that we really wanted to emphasize strategy. I mean, in fairness, the, the, the ABA book went out of print, and so we just decided to do something new uh, and go in a different direction. But we get asked questions about LinkedIn all the time, and we may delve in. To that a little bit but you know most uh, lawyers and other legal professionals and that was a big part of the book was that we really wanted to open the book up to everybody in the legal profession and others as well um you know, really struggle with whether they're using LinkedIn well, and so the the previous book kind of had a lot of how-to and was done in the in the form of lessons. This time, we really wanted to say, okay, let's really help you uh, level up at least one or two levels in what you're doing in in LinkedIn, and and really. Uh, Show you some ways that you can use LinkedIn to benefit you a lot of times in ways that you don't expect and to feel that you're an effective user.
2: Okay. So I get that you both talked about how this book has an emphasis on strategy, but, you know, I've paged through it, I've perused it. Um, I'm seeing a lot of how to in that as well, Allison. I mean, this is not just a, a book of, you know, developing a good strategy for LinkedIn. You're also providing kind of some practical tips for using it as well, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and that's why the subtitle is called A Practical Handbook, because we want people to, to know just from looking at the title of the book and picking it up that you're going to get really actionable, practical tips in the book. We go through our three building blocks of LinkedIn, and there's a section on each of those building blocks. And at the end of each of those sections, we give re- answers to frequently asked questions. Uh, we give a whole list of tips related to that specific building block. So we really want people to walk away from using this book and be able to hop onto LinkedIn and and get some stuff done. It's not just a high-level strategy. Um, but then how do you take that strategy and translate it into what you're actually doing day-to-day on LinkedIn?
0: And I would say that we're, we also didn't want to go to so much to the low end where it was sort of like, well, here's you know step one, step two, you know enter your name, type in this. But we wanted to identify the key places where there were things that you really wanted to take action on, and then kind of walk you through the approach that you would need to do. So if you wanted, if if you're complaining, there's a lot of uh, lawyers I talk to who complain about getting too many notifications, other things like this, and they're mostly very simple settings changes. And so we just walk you through. Like, here's where you find the settings. Here's what's there. If it's the notifications that bothers you, here's what you do. Here's the checkbox. So it's kind of the focus on that as opposed to, um, I think, the earlier books would kind of walk you through here's step one, here's step two, here's step three. So we're, we're looking, I would say, at the sort of advanced beginner to definitely the the intermediate and and uh, uh, especially the advanced user will will all find something there without you kind of saying oh I I'm, I already know all this simple stuff.
2: All right, well that's good to know. So let's dig in. Um, let's t- kind of talk a little bit more about the content um, in the book. You all describe three essential building blocks, I guess, of using LinkedIn, of building the right profile, of using it the right way. Dennis, kind of. Tell us a little bit more about these building blocks, what they mean and how they fit in.
0: So I think this is a fundamental insight that Allison and I had about LinkedIn from the early time that we were talking about it and through the earlier books, is that there are really three essential building blocks. And you have to know all three and you want to get good at all three. And usually most people understand the first two, they're not so good on the last one. So the first one is the profile. So that's sort of who you are, Um, your your online resume, all the stuff that's information about you. And people, I would say most of the time are using that, maybe about a third effectively as maybe they could. So we kind of walk through, why you put things there, how you add stuff, how you make it more attractive to people and how you determine your audience. The second one is connections, which is who are you connected to, who's in your network, sort of who you know, um, and then how you build that in very thoughtful ways. Uh, so you have a strategic approach to that that fits into to really what you want to do. And the third thing is, the third building block is participation. And uh, Allison has a great example of joining the Rotary Club, which I'll, I'll let her tell in a second. But participation is like, uh, rather than just like putting the stuff up there, it's like, what are you doing with your network? How are you helping your network? And and so we put a lot of emphasis on um, how you use LinkedIn to help other people. And that becomes really important. So I don't know, Allison, I, I just loved your Rotary Club uh, analogy that you used. So, so maybe uh, uh, you might talk about that.
1: Yeah, sure. One of the things that we we like to talk about when we're talking to people about how they use LinkedIn and we talk about in the book is this idea that what you do on LinkedIn really is not divorced from what you do otherwise in terms of networking in real life and that we try to mesh what you're doing on LinkedIn with how you're networking in real life. And so I like to say, look, in real life, if you're joining a group, you say you join the Rotary Club, just showing up is is not going to really do much for you, right? And even showing up and then collecting a whole bunch of business cards is not going to do much for you. And that's just having a profile on LinkedIn is like just joining and not doing much else. And then collecting the business cards is like just connecting collecting these connections on LinkedIn. The final piece of that is you've got to actually do something with that. So you you have to have a conversation with people. You have to follow up when you get the business card. And then then you have to decide that you're going to talk one-on-one with people outside of the Rotary Club. And so all of those things apply to how you use LinkedIn also. You want to you make those connections, but then you want to have a conversation. You want to move the relationship forward. And then you want to take it outside of LinkedIn into the real world, whether that's a cup of coffee or a phone call or, or trying to do business together.
2: Okay, so uh, we're going to postpone the rest of that question for the B segment because I have specific questions about that for later. But what I'd like to do, Allison, is I, I have to confess that I have um, friends that I follow on Facebook, lawyer friends, who... From time to time, I will see a post that says, usually from someone who's also posting pictures of the restaurant and the food that they've been eating and puppies that they've been petting and that they've been seeing. And then they post something that says, um, in my opinion, LinkedIn is the most useless social network for of all of them. And I, I see this from lawyers more frequently than I would probably care to really pay attention to. But I get the feeling, and rather I could go back and have a discussion and say, you're really missing the point about LinkedIn, but what do lawyers and legal professionals get most wrong about LinkedIn? I mean, it's when I talk about getting things wrong, it may be about their approach to LinkedIn, but I, I really think that that has to do with their opinion that they think that LinkedIn is not a great social network. I think it's because they're thinking about it wrong. What are, what are some of the things that lawyers and legal professionals do the most that's, that's wrong about LinkedIn?
1: So I'll give you my kind of top three, and there are definitely more than three. But the first one we, we alluded to a little bit, which is this idea of not being strategic about it. They're hopping on there, and maybe that's because they're used to other social networks that are not professional necessarily in nature, whereas LinkedIn is, is more about the doing business and not about the puppies and the restaurants and, and all of those other great things that you do outside of your, your professional life. Not to say that you can't be a human being and that you shouldn't be a human being on LinkedIn, but you need to think strategically about who it is that you're trying to connect with and why. You know what We go in the book into this concept of what are you hiring LinkedIn to do for you? And out of that comes the strategy and it comes who who do I need to connect with? Who do I want to be in front of? What groups do I want to join? What kinds of things do I want to post? So that's number one. Number two is treating LinkedIn like a silo unto itself as opposed to a piece of the rest of your marketing and networking strategy. Um, And the third one I think is that too many lawyers are too promotional. they're, They're talking just about their their verdicts and their results and not talking about things that would be useful to their audience and to the people that they're trying to connect with.
0: Yeah. so Tom I, I you knew that you were gonna get a jobs to be done answer for me so I think it, it really does come down a lot comes down to what are you hiring LinkedIn to do for you and I just hear so many lawyers say you know I'm using LinkedIn and I'm not getting new clients you know I've I'm not sure I'm reaching my potential clients and I'm going like that's the wrong thing I think that LinkedIn is this You know, its highest and best use for lawyers is to create, grow and nurture your referral network. I just think that's what it excels at. And so you instead of saying like, oh, I need to figure out ways to reach potential clients, you say, no, I need to add value to the people who might refer things to me. I need to to let that network know more clearly what it is that I can do for the people that they are making referrals or recommendations to. So I think there's that. If you're looking for a job, I think you want to be very precise about what you're using LinkedIn for. So you can look for job listings, which, you know, almost every job listing these days goes through LinkedIn. But I think the use LinkedIn best, if you say the job I want LinkedIn to do when I'm looking for a new job is to help me get interviews Um, and then your whole strategy changes completely. So I I think that's the big thing. And then even if you use Tom, your example of the dogs in the restaurants and stuff, like I have a friend who has a lot of he's a great Dane lover and he's involved in all these clubs and he's always gotten tons of clients out of out of that. Um, you know, it's so it's a great affinity group. And so if that's where your referral base comes from, then you want to put up pictures of great Danes. But if you're just throwing them up there and saying like, Hey, no new clients called me, it's like you know, joining the Rotary Club and the Country Club and saying like, I've been waiting for three months for the money to start rolling in and nothing's happened.
2: Okay. So Dennis, this is not the first book, but the second book that you've published this year that was self-published. You decided with this book and with your innovation book to go the self-publishing route. What was the appeal of that for
0: both of you to self-publish rather than find somebody to help you with that? Well, I think the, the speed to market is huge. And, you know, because from the time we finished it to the time that uh, uh, the book designer got done with it, it's probably not much more than a month. Uh, Whereas, if you write a book, it can be six months or even a year from where you you think the manuscript is done till it's out. We knew that in this case, we wanted to get to a price that was normal, which in law books and legal publishers is really difficult. And we knew we wanted to have Kindle versions. So the Amazon direct to Kindle thing was the perfect approach. And we see it as an experiment, obviously. So we'll kind of see what the results we get. We'll make a decision whether we're going to do that the next time we do something. But uh, so far, so good.
1: Yeah, I think also, you know, to me, I, I agree with all of those points. But I also think it. we're hopeful that if we need to make changes or updates, because LinkedIn changes things so frequently, that going this route with the direct to Kindle and selling it off of Amazon, that we can make those smaller changes without having to wait to do an entirely new book or an entirely new um, manuscript. So I think that's another plus.
2: All right, so we're coming up to the end of this segment, so I'm going to ask you kind of the – the standard trite question and get your best answer to it. So if you could bring up one lesson, and I I want both of you to answer this question. If you bring up one lesson from the book that you hope readers will take from reading the book, what would it be for you? And we'll start with Allison and then see if Dennis's lesson is any different.
1: My lesson really goes back to your question, Tom. And the lesson that I would like people to take from this book is that no matter where they are, that they can get something out of LinkedIn and that they can make it work for them and create a successful strategy that gets them what they're looking for by using LinkedIn.
0: All right, Dennis. What I would add is, and this was a surprise to me because in the past when we wrote the book, we wrote it completely on the basis of using the free LinkedIn accounts is that how much I like the premium accounts, the extra value you get from that. And I think it's going to be difficult for me uh, to go back. So I think taking a look at premium accounts with fresh eyes, especially if you're looking for a job, you're launching a new marketing effort, or if you're looking for a job or you're looking to hire somebody, uh, because you you can sign up for the premium accounts and then and turn them off. So uh, that's the, the big lesson I learned and the recommendation I would make is sort of take a fresh look at the premium accounts.
2: Well, okay. Now I think we're going to assume that there's going to be some folks out there who are going to want to learn more about LinkedIn. They're going to, they may want you to come and speak to their groups. And I'm assuming that you would be happy to go speak to them. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you'd get people to get you to speak on LinkedIn?
1: Well, I think certainly sending us a uh, connection request if you're not already connected to us or sending a message to one or both of us on LinkedIn is one way. And, uh, you know, sending me an email or Dennis an email. uh, My email is allison at legalease, which is E-A-S-E, consulting.com. Those are two great ways.
2: Well, and I think uh, as we wrap this up, I'm guessing that uh, we, we want to close it up, Dennis, with a pitch to connect with all of us on LinkedIn. Is that right?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that, you know, one thing that I find most people are don't reach out enough on connections and don't build the number of of uh, connections and that's something we talked about in the earlier podcasts and the contests that we did but so I, I think that uh, reaching out and that Tom, Allison and I are all uh, really easy to connect with especially for you uh, as I always say for any author or speaker if you send them a connection that says I thought your stuff was totally awesome it's really hard for them to, to not connect with you so, so I would do that is the best way to go and then and then and see how we use LinkedIn, especially the, you know, the, the updates and the, the feed items that we do, uh, some of the connect, the way that we tag people and other things like that. So we're, we're experimenting with a lot of different techniques and just by connecting with us, or if, if you don't like doing that, just by following us, you can, you can kind of get an idea of some of the things that you might try.
2: All right, well, good news and information and tips from Allison and Dennis in our first segment. Um, We're going to extend the conversation into our second segment as well. But before we do that, let's take a break for a quick message from our sponsor.
0: visit www.servnow.com.
2: And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile
0: Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. We knew that we just have too much to cover in, in one segment, so we decided to devote this B segment to answering Tom's questions about how to improve his very own LinkedIn efforts and have Alison and me share a few of our favorite LinkedIn tips in the process. So, Tom, how can we help you?
2: Okay, so this is relating back to the question that I had earlier. Um, And I only really have this one question and then I have a couple others that are not related to what I want to talk about. Here's the deal. I don't have time to do the three building blocks the way that you say that it needs to be done. I, I you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to ramp up my blog back again after a while of being dormant. I'm trying to find ways to be more engaged on, on social media in general. And it feels to me that getting, you know, in, in on LinkedIn and doing those three building blocks that you describe is just I don't have enough time for that. I think it could easily become take a lot of time out of your day to do that. So maybe what I'm asking is, Dennis, you know on our podcast we talk about, you know, what's that one small step that I could take to get a step closer to uh, doing these things without going all out on the three building blocks? If, if I just said I can only, you know, do one small step to get me a little
0: bit closer, what would the two of you recommend? Well, I have two things for you, Tom, to think about. So one is, God, you can set aside half an hour a day or maybe like two hours a week. So that's that's very doable. So we know you're gonna launch your, your blog. So what I would do is focus on, this goes into the participation barrel, but whenever you do a post on your blog, run it through with a link to it as an update on LinkedIn. Um, and then you're getting a secondary audience. To kind of level up from that, you can take a long blog post and turn it into a LinkedIn article at the same time. And then you're going to get sort of like double the action and you'll get, you know, the the LinkedIn audience as well as your blog audience.
1: So and I will add to that to not just do that as an update on your through your feed on LinkedIn, but look at the groups that you belong to on LinkedIn and I know actually I think where we have a number of mutual groups a lot of those groups will be relevant to or your blog would be relevant to a lot of people in those groups so don't forget you're reaching oftentimes in the groups you're reaching more people than you would reach just in your feed because your feed you know what you post is only going to some subset really of your connections whereas when you're posting to a group if it's an active group there's usually more members there, but I would also like to see you do some other stuff to kind of promote your blog, just even with respect to your profile, like maybe create a banner image cause you don't have one on your LinkedIn profile that maybe has something about your blog and Maybe pull some images. I mean, I know you do a ton of speaking and presentations and stuff, or, or maybe there are images from your blog that you want to post, because I'm not seeing any media on your on your profile either. So those are a couple of things that might just kind of make your profile stand out a little bit.
2: All good suggestions. Although, Dennis, you do assume that I have two hours extra a week to, to do this, so that will be interesting trying to find the time to uh, to do all of it.
1: Tom, I'll jump in and say I don't even think you need that much time. I mean, look, whatever time you spend is going to be more than you were spending anyway. So, I always tell people, look, there's there's a goal that maybe you want to get to, but if you spent a half an hour a week just doing it strategically and say, "Okay, well, this week I'm going to spend that half hour doing X, you know, putting some images up onto my Onto my profile or what have you, um, and then when you do a blog post, you spend 15 minutes sorting things out and posting it in groups and things. You're still going to get a lot more out of it than you would not doing anything. So I, I don't think you have to say, I, "Oh, I need two hours," um, okay. you know, and that okay. two hours could be in 15-minute increments.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm gonna gi- I'm gonna give it a try.
0: Right. And Tom, we know you well enough from the previous contest. If we can get you into a contest where you're competing with with somebody, that's going to help you as well. Well,
2: (laughs) well, there you go. If you could make it a contest, then uh, then all bets are off at that point (laughs) in time. I agree. All right. We got time for one more thing. So um, I I want one tip from each one of you and I want it to fall under this category. This I never knew LinkedIn could do this. If you had one tip to give away that would surprise our listeners about something they could do on LinkedIn that they don't know about, what would it be?
0: Dennis first. So the thing I've found recently that I'm really starting to, to work with is something called showcase pages. So you could do company pages for your firm or organization in the past. But there's a new thing called showcase pages. And I think it's the early stage because I can definitely see some ways they could develop it. But it's, uh, just think of it if you had a firm and you had a practice area that you wanted to highlight, you could have a, a page that um, had its own feed and people could come to and it had its own URL and it had great uh, Google search ratings and it could be focused on that specific area and uh, i think that's a super interesting new thing that i learned that i'm really starting to experiment with
1: so i'll go something slightly less complicated than showcase pages for those people who might not feel like they're (laughs) really up to that yet especially for lawyers, lawyers write a lot of articles and they create a lot of content, even if it's content for their own website, frequently asked questions and so forth. And I think using the, um, although it's been around a while, the publisher feature on LinkedIn, even not necessarily writing a whole separate article for LinkedIn, but I like to have my clients take an image from an article that they've written somewhere else or from frequently asked questions for their website, and then take the first couple of paragraphs of the article and then link back to their site. So you're driving the traffic back to your site, but you're posting the article on LinkedIn, and the articles tend to get more visibility than just a a smaller straight post in the feed. It shows up more prominently when people are looking at your profile. So that's kind of a low-hanging fruit, and a lot of people still don't know that they can write those articles on LinkedIn, and that's open to everybody now.
2: Well, very good. Well, thank you very much, Allison and Dennis. Uh, thanks, Allison, for coming on the show. We were glad to have you, and I'm i am uh, going to steal Dennis's line right now and say, it. now it's time for our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can use the second that this podcast ends. Allison, we'd like to start with you. What's your parting shot for this episode?
1: Okay, so my parting shot is a website called Missing Letter, and it's M-I-S-S-I-N-G-L-E-T-T-R, so it's missing the letter E, and what I like to use that for is a way to help me to get my content that I'm creating out there, so it will post to LinkedIn and to other social networks automatically when you add a new page to your website or a new blog post, or you can just pull a standalone if you, if you don't write as frequently, and it will create what it calls a year's worth of content for you. So, and then you can change the schedule, but it creates posts, it will pull quotes from the article or the blog post, it will pull images, and you can schedule things out, especially if you have content that's evergreen. You know, well, you, we're all good at posting when we first do the blog post. We put it up on social media, but everyone's not going to see it the first time. So, this helps me to get it out there throughout the year if it's going to be relevant for the full year without me having to do it more than once.
2: And is that a free service? Is it is a subscription? How is it based?
1: It is free.
2: Awesome. All right, well, I'll go with my uh, parting shot. It is, um, again, to show my love affair with Google. um, Recently, they announced that Google Assistant is becoming even more helpful, and you now have the ability to link and connect any, um, well, not any, but initially three or four different note and list taking providers to the Google Assistant. So you can talk to Google and have it add items to a list or add or take notes that you can go back. So if you have an app that you like to take your notes, to take lists down, now you'll be able to add automatically to those lists using Google Assistant. They don't have my favorites on there yet, but I'm hoping that that's just a matter of time that they're building and adding on. Um, but if you're in the Google world world and you're using the Google Assistant, it might be something worth looking at.
0: So you're talking like Evernote and OneNote or something more specific than that?
2: No, no. This is things more like, these are more basic note and list taking providers like any dot do and uh, Google keep. So it's the Google Keep is kind of the light version of Evernote. Um, so those are the ones that those are two of the ones that they're supporting right now. I would think that they're not quite as full featured as Evernote or OneNote, but who knows they could get there eventually. I'd like them to get to my favorite to-doist for task managers, but right now it looks like there's three or four services that they're supporting.
0: Dennis. Okay, I got distracted because the uh, missing letter was so interesting to me. So I have I have two quick ones. So I've been, uh, as people know, I uh, have this free PDF download of 57 tips for successful innovation outcomes in law, which is related to my book. But I've been experimenting with doing one tip a day as a scheduled tweet. Um, and that's very interesting. So that's a, a variation of what uh, Allison was talking about with missing letter. And so I've been trying different times day and, and things like that. So, kind of an interesting approach because you can't make the assumption that just because you post something once that everybody sees it. The tip I really have is comes from uh, Ken Grady who on Twitter has posted these links and he does it pretty much daily of this aggregation of, of tweets, blog posts, other things he finds interesting. It's sort of like in a one, like almost like this mini webzine format. And he does it through a service called paper.li. And... Uh, I just find it really fascinating. And I think it's, I, I think I've been pumping too many likes and retweets and things through my Twitter feed. So I like what Ken has done with this. And I just think it could be a cool way to aggregate stuff that you find interesting and then to put it out in one tweet a day to a really nicely format a collection of the, uh, the links that you find interesting um, and then grow an audience that way.
2: And so that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode on the Legal Talk Network site, on the page where this podcast or this episode will will ultimately live. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site, where you can find archives of all of our previous podcasts along with transcripts. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please reach out to us on LinkedIn, or you can always leave us a voicemail. Remember, we like to get questions for our B segment That number is 720-441-6820. So until the next podcast,
0: I'm Tom Mile.